The following is a message by Dr. Howell Jones from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. O God of peace, we bow in thy presence and worship and adore thee, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dwelling from all eternity in perfect harmony and bliss. We acknowledge that there is no other God beside thee, none like unto thee. We thank thee that we find it in our hearts to agree with thine own declaration that thou dost know of any, nor do we. And we would not take any other name upon our lips save thine. We thank thee that, having sent thy Son into this world to make known thy love to sinners, thou hast in him quickened, delivered, and adopted those for whom he died and brought them into that same circle and relationship of love that exists between thee as triune. And we pray that thou wilt grant us throughout this day to know that we are one with thee and that nothing can break that bond seeing as it was forged in the forsakenness of thy dear Son instead of us. And we thank thee then that he raised from the dead is our guarantee that not even death will separate us from thy love. Be pleased to bless to us thy word once more. Grant us peace and joy in believing. Enable us to exult in thee as the God of our salvation and to confide in thee as our Heavenly Father, for Jesus' sake. Pardon our sins in his name and through his merit. Amen. Be seated, please. We turn to the Gospel according to St. Luke and to verse 44. Read verses 44 through 49. Let us hear the word of God. It was now about the sixth hour. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, He breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was righteous. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. 
May God bless to us his word. We turn this morning to our Lord's last saying from the cross. It, it co- coincides, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> it coincides with the end of his earthly life. I deliberately avoided using the word death or the verb to die in what I've just said. In order to reflect the fact that the gospel writers are remarkably reticent to use the expression, Jesus died, in what they record. Matthew, Mark, and Luke never do so. John, in his gospel record, does only by way of interpreting some comment of the Lord Jesus Christ. It seems as if they are all intent on avoiding that blunt, cold statement, Jesus died. Now, of course, none of them was undermining the fact that he died. But each and every one of them seems intent on saying something about his very death as distinct from his process of dying, which we've been considering as we've looked at his other sayings. There's a common word for to die in the New Testament. It's used frequently. Of others, it's used frequently of the Lord Jesus Christ in the epistles, but not in the Gospels, nor in the Passion narrative. What the evangelists say is he breathed out or He gave up his spirit, or he bowed his head. It wasn't a motive that was euphemistic, that was driving them in this important choice of words. It was something evangelistic, not euphemistic, but evangelistic. Elsewhere, they have no compunction about using the verb to kill, or the verb betray, or the verb crucify. But now that they come to the last moments of his life, they refrain from writing, he died. And that is because they want to draw attention to the fact that there was something unique about his last moments. What was it? Well, there's much, much more here than I have been able to plumb. But what I want to put before you this morning is just a few thoughts about this reality that transcends our ability to understand the reunion of the Son, the Son incarnate, with his heavenly Father on the cross. Not after the resurrection, nor after the ascension, but on the cross. 
I'm glad his last words were not, it is finished. That may seem a strange thing to say. My reason is this, that what we have in these words that are before us is an indication that the communion that he voluntarily forwent for our sake and our salvation was restored to him having accomplished our salvation. Aren't you glad about that? You remember he said to his disciples in the upper room, if you loved me, you would rejoice because I'm going to the Father. His mild, well, is it mild? His rebuke of them was an indication that they had been thinking only of themselves as a result of his departure, rather than thinking of what his departure from them would mean for him. And while we know that we owe all our salvation to him, shouldn't we think more highly of him as saviour than we ought, than we have, and than we do. So here are a few thoughts. He's no longer in the hands of the wicked. When he says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit, he's no longer in the hands. Still on the cross. He's no longer in the hands of wicked, sinful men. Now, he, even though he is on the cross, is Lord. He's in control of his own breath. He's in control of his own spirit. We won't go into the interrelation between those two terms this morning. But surely spirit means something more than breath. As breath animates body, spirit animates person. And Luke makes a distinction between them. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit, he says. And having said that, he expired. He breathed his last. Here is one who is in control. And this is what it seems to me these gospel writers are out to stress. That he was as active in his dying as ever he was in his living. That those words of authority that he declared, that those works of power and compassion that he accomplished, that power still resides within him. And while he has foregone its exercise during the hours on the cross, now he asserts it. And asserts it with reference to himself. He died on a cross, but not because of the cross. He died because he laid down his life. Because he gave up his life. Didn't he say, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. And I have power, and he meant authority. Authority to take it again. So he is, though still on a cross, no longer in the hands of the wicked. And we can also say that he is no longer in the hands of an angry God. The three hours of darkness indicated that. 
a God who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for each and every one and for all of his people. A God who stood at such a distance from him that he was painfully aware of it. A God who manifested his displeasure against him on account of the fact that he was bearing sin so that he was aware of it and knew himself to be under the curse. But those hours have passed and he is no longer in the hands of an angry God. He no longer says, my God. He says, Father. Now, he puts himself, he puts his human nature, which is one and the same with yours and mine, he puts his human nature into the hands of his heavenly Father. He's unable to move. All he can do in terms of physical movement is to bow his head. But he can transfer his human nature, his mind, his spirit, his will, his soul. All that is true about him as human apart from his body. He can put that into the hands of his heavenly father. And do it with that calm peace with that loud voice. It wasn't just it is finished that was uttered with a loud cry. This was too. Perhaps the one followed immediately on the other. Who knows? We don't know. But a loud voice was used with regard to both because here's work done. Here's a greater joy than was and filled the mind and heart of God at the end of creation. Because here is redemption accomplished once and for all and forever. Nothing more left to do. Rest, reward, the joy is set before him. You remember that he could say with anticipation, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do, and now, O Father, glorify thou me with the glory that I had with thee before the world was. Yes, he still has to die. He still has to be buried, but he's triumphant. The resurrection proves it, and all that follows in terms of the rending of the veil and the shaking of the earth in terms of the raising of the saints, in terms of the protection of his body on the cross. You see, following these sayings of the Lord, there are replies of God. God replied to the sayings of his Son. Not audibly, but he replied in terms of events. And those events are his amen to the declarations of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here... What the psalmist, what Jesus is able to do is to go beyond what the psalmist, even David, did. David could say, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Jesus adds the word, Father. Here is that greater revelation that could only come 
with the incarnate Son. And he now puts himself into the hands of his heavenly Father and in doing that puts your and my human nature into his Father's hands too. He was laying down his life for the flock. Here he is gathering each and every one of us anticipatively and in reality and with him giving an assurance that we will too, human though we are, be taken up into that wonderful fellowship and love of the triune God forever and ever. He's no longer in the hands of wicked men. No longer is he in the hands of an angry God on account of our sins, not his own. He is now in the hands of his heavenly Father who received what was committed to him and responded in those ways I've just quickly outlined for you. So will he do with us. When our time comes to die, we will find that our breath is not at our command. We are as powerless then as we were in the day of our birth. But that doesn't mean that we cannot act, that we cannot speak, that we cannot address the God to whom we are going through Jesus Christ in exactly the same words as he himself uttered. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's better even than, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, isn't it? But we can say that too. And just as Jesus was received, welcomed, delighted in, and raised, and returned to the right hand of the throne of God in heaven, so will you and I be and each and every one who trusts in God, beside whom there is no other, through the one and only mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Be pleased, O Lord our God, to receive our thanks for all that thy Son secured for us and all that he lives to bestow upon each and every one who trusts him. We thank thee that seeing that he conquered death those who trust him will never see death. We have read of a dying without a death because thy wrath was born and exhausted. And so help us to believe that wrath is past for us and that we are going home as he went to be with him and with thee and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Father, receive our thanks. For Jesus' sake, amen.
Copyright 2007 Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.